Now we pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be found acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over the years, I have read a lot of books on leadership, particularly when I was working on my MBA a number of years ago. Uh, They really piled it on. And I've noticed something that's missing in the overwhelming majority of all leadership kinds of books. Most of them talk about key principles. John Maxwell, former pastor, has written a lot of them, like 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership or stuff like that. It's kind of stuff that leaders, whether you are a pastor, a DCE, or whether you're a mom or dad or a business person, you know, wherever God's called you to lead, these are kinds of things that you probably do need to read about, adopt, and practice. But nearly every book that I have ever read on leadership kind of fails to mention one key area of leadership that I think that all of us need to take far more seriously. Because without it, whoever you are, you're kind of doomed to fail. Now, what area is that? Well, you can probably guess by seeing the title of the message. It's accountability. It's the idea that that whoever you are, someone, all of us, we must answer to somebody for our leadership decisions and actions. Now, I'm not saying that the idea has never been expressed in the leadership book, but I'm telling you that I'm surprised that more people don't write about accountability, particularly when it comes to Christians. Now, I know that we all want leaders that are very courageous, that have a lot of confidence, but the leaders should never be making decisions unilaterally or unadvisably. Every leader should develop an accountability structure of some kind. Now, there is a statement, maybe you've heard it before, it says, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when there is a leadership, whether it be a mom or a dad or a business owner or a pastor or whoever, and there's no checks or balances there, without accountability, there is almost no limit to the damage that that person can do in that particular area. When one person has way too much power, the decision-making process tends to go south. Now, I hate to pick on one of our our local people, but let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys for just a moment. I think they're a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Jerry Jones is not only the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, he is also the general manager. So he has amazing job security. I mean, no other general manager in the National Football League is his own boss, and no other general manager has performed as poorly as he has done for so long and still gainfully remains employed. But you can do what you want if you only have to answer to yourself. I apologize to the Cowboy fans. We had the same problem with the Bear fans for Bear leadership at some time, too. Now, sadly, this isn't just in professional sport. The other thing that really breaks my heart is when we see this in churches. You see it in churches or other Christian organizations that were or are built purely on the strength of the personality of their pastor. And if their pastor has a particularly strong personality, they sometimes allow that person to have absolute power 
over his little kingdom or fiefdom or his church. And there are no checks or balances whatsoever in place. And there are some churches today that at one time were really great churches. There are some parachurch ministries that used to be really great ministries, but today are barely alive because of a failure of leadership accountability. But the greatest danger in lack of accountability has to do in our own personal lives. Now, that principle of absolute power destroying absolutely doesn't just apply to dictators. It doesn't just apply to elected leaders. It applies to moms and dads. It applies to small business owners. It applies to each and every one of us wherever we find ourselves in a position of influence. And what we're here today is to look and see what God has to say about this because if we don't have some form of accountability structure in our life, our problem is, is that we tend to kind of veer off the track that God has called us in whatever field we find ourselves in. And ultimately, sometimes those decisions come back and, and haunt you. And the reason we veer off, let's be honest, is because what? We are conceived and born in sin. We are sinful people. And left to our own devices, we are prone to failure. That's just who we are. Now, I think you all know that ultimately you and I are accountable to God. This is exactly what God says in my basic text today. comes from Romans chapter 14, verse 12, that says, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, in other words, there is going to come a day when every last one of us, man, woman, and child, is going to be standing in front of God... And we are going to need to own up to who we are and what we've done with what God has given us in this life. Now, the idea of that kind of conversation, one-on-one with God, can be pretty intimidating. But it's a conversation that's still going to take place. The question is, how can you be prepared for that conversation you and God are going to have one day? Well, I think there are three checkpoints of accountability that God's Word gives us. Here's Here's checkpoint number one. You need to answer to the rule book. To the rule book. See, God shows no favoritism. I mean, there is a Bible passage that says he is no respecter of persons. That doesn't mean that he doesn't respect people. It just means that when God looks at us, he sees us all the same. There is no such thing as, you know, half of this or half of this. I mean, we are just people to him. And we all then need to play by the same set of rules. Now, sometimes people think, they kid themselves, that they can get a pass on certain rules, but you don't. Let me give you a couple of biblical illustrations. If you go back and read a story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you'll find the famous story of David and Bathsheba. You all remember that story? David was king, and as king, he kind of believed that not all of the rules actually applied to him. And so one evening, as the Bible says, when he should have been out, when all the other kings were out at war, he finds himself wandering around the walls of his palace, looking into everybody else's backyards, and what does it say? He suddenly spots some woman taking a bath in the backyard. And he sees Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And he decides that the rules don't apply to him, and so he sends for her, sleeps with her, then sends her back home. 
Later, of course, he finds out that she is pregnant, and so he tries to cover it up, and everything he tries to do to cover it up doesn't work, and so he figures the only thing he's got left is to bump off good old Uriah. And so he has him murdered. David's attitude seemed to be, I'm the king, you can't tell me what to do, I'll do whatever I want to do. But I think most of us know how that story goes, because when the prophet Nathan comes, David soon discovered that this is not the case. The Ten Commandments apply to the king as well as to the subjects. Let me give you another example. This is a story maybe you're not very familiar with. It happened to Moses. It happened to Moses. Well, Moses was in the desert. God comes to him, says, you've got to go back to Egypt, and you're going to perform some mighty miracles in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's going to ultimately let them go, and you're going to lead my people back to the promised land, out of bondage. Moses does that, and as they are uh, beginning the journey from Midian, the desert area, back uh, along the way, he has a confrontation with God. I don't know if any of you remember why God and he kind of had a confrontation. It was because he had overlooked one serious detail in his leadership. He had neglected to circumcise his own son. Now, you might think, well, couldn't God let him have a pass on not circumcising his own kid? Well, no, because remember what? Back in Genesis, God had established the covenant of circumcision with his people, that every male child was to be circumcised, but Moses decided kind of unilaterally, evidently this rule didn't apply to him and his family. And I don't want to really place the blame on his wife, but she might have put a little pressure on him because, after all, she was non-Hebrew and probably was against it. And he probably go, well, okay, God said it, but, you know, he doesn't have to live with my wife. What a weaselly guy he was. Well, what Moses learned that day in a rather dramatic fashion, and by the way, you go back and read it because it's really kind of a, Interesting, gory little story. But he learned that the same rules that apply to everybody else also applied to him. So what did he do? Because, but before God allowed him to take another step in his journey, he had to get his house in order first and circumcise his son. Now, what I'm saying is godly leaders, and I'm talking about all of us here this morning. I don't want you to think, well, leader doesn't apply to me. I'm just a grandma or I'm retired or whatever. We are all leaders somewhere. We all answer to the same rules as everybody else. And where leaders often lose their credibility when they act as if the rule book was written for everybody else and not for themselves. You know, when mom and dad say, do what I say, not what I do, guess what? They have violated the rule book, and kids know it. Now, when I'm talking about the rule book, what am I talking about? Well, here it is. <laughs> There's the rule book. In fact, I'm going to read you one of the rules in the rule book. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Now, what does that mean? It just means that each and every one of us, whether we are rich or poor, whether we are great or small, whether we are famous or obscure, are all accountable to the same principles of God's Word. There, there is no place in here where there's a loophole for pastors. 
There's no loopholes for directors of worship. Sorry, Gwenny. There's no loopholes for acolytes. Should I go on? There are no loopholes. You know, if you don't have time alone with God every day, I'm going to tell you, your spiritual life is going to suffer. If I don't have a time alone with God every day, my spiritual life will suffer. If Billy Graham doesn't have a time away with God every day, his life will suffer. It doesn't make any difference how many years and what position you may or may not hold within God's kingdom. Godly leaders are aware of this. There is a rule book. And ultimately, we are held accountable. Won't that be an interesting discussion someday between you and God? And God says, let's talk about the Ten Commandments, shall we? Do you remember commandment? (laughs) And you're going to go, oh gosh, I was hoping you never brought that one up. Okay, checkpoint number two. You're also accountable to other people. Every leader needs to have people in their lives that have the godly, biblical wisdom to offer guidance. Now, I say that because there are way too many people who get really stupid advice from their stupid friends. I hate to put it that way. But, you know, when you've got nothing but stupid, ungodly friends, and you're always going to them for advice, what are they going to do? They're going to give you stupid advice. They're going to give you non-biblical advice. They're going to give you the world's advice. They're going to give you the devil's advice. We need biblical, godly people in our lives. People who have permission to come into your life and call you out when necessary. Y'all got anybody like that that you've given permission to to call you out? Call you on the carpet? Who will say, well, that's interesting, but it's wrong. Now, the fact is, the matter is that you will never lack for people who want to tell you what to do. That's for sure. So it's up to you to choose with discretion the people that you will place in authority in your life. But it is a position that you need to have filled. Uh, you, You will not be effective as a mom or a dad. You will not be effective as a husband or a wife. You will not be effective as a pastor. I don't care who you are if you answer to nobody but yourself. You've got to abide by the rule book, and you need godly, biblical friends. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they watch over you as those who must give an account. Now, that passage is actually talking about pastors. You know, you, you need to have confidence in them that they would hold you accountable. Now, Lyndon uh, Johnson, a former president, said, There are no problems we cannot solve together and very few we can solve by ourselves. Or the next one, Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One-Minute Manager, said, none of us is as smart as all of us. Now, rather than making your life choices based on however you feel at the moment, I don't care what that that beer commercial says, you only go around once in life, just do it. Well, I tell you, you go around one time with one bottle of beer, you're going to start feeling good, you'll start doing most anything. Been there, done that, own the T-shirt. You know, if you just go based on your emotions, if you submit to the influence of other people and you include them in your circle of accountability, 
you're not going to necessarily make the best choices. Again, I'm going to go back. Every leader needs to ask, to whom am I accountable? To whom have I given the authority to speak freely in my life? Now, obviously, this is going to be determined to some extent by your job and your family situation. Now, we weren't with you last week, but last week was July the 13th, or last weekend was the 14th, but on July 13th, Nancy and I celebrated our 49th wedding anniversary. Now, I I will tell you, that's one person who will hold me accountable. Need I say more? But I think she might say I might be a person that holds her accountable, too. Now, why would I trust her to do that? Well, she's my wife, and I don't want to get nagged, man. No, because she is a godly, biblical person. That's why. I have some other friends that, you know, who will call me and ask me what I'm preaching about, and when I give them a summation, I've had people already said, you know, right now I'm glad you called me today. (laughs) Now you still have time to change it. That's accountability. See, our decisions often go far beyond our job and family, but you know, your job and family, your situation is going to determine a lot of that, but you need people who are committed enough to speak wisdom and discernment when you need it most. Now, here's the third checkpoint, and it's that you need to answer to yourself. I remember back, I don't remember how many years ago this was, but it was the first time I ever heard that I was self-employed. Somebody said, well, you know you're self-employed. And I said, no, I'm not. I work for the church. I don't know who it was that told me, no, that's not how the IRS sees it. As far as the IRS is concerned, you're self-employed. And I thought to myself, I can't wait to tell this to the people in my congregation that I work for, because right now everybody whose name is on the membership roll thinks it's their job to tell me what to do all day long. Well, I never get, did get the courage enough to say that to anybody. But, you know, it's really right when you think about it. It's true, not just for me, but it's also true for you. You are your own boss. I mean, ultimately, you're the one that's going to make the decisions. No matter who you work for, you answer for yourself. Now, we're going to start with following the rule book and godly biblical people in your life, but ultimately, you can, you can read your Bible And you can have godly people, but you can also still make some pretty dumb decisions. Now, Solomon said, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Now, in that way, that little ant is far superior to many human beings because there are any number of people who cannot do their jobs, Jason, you would know this, you know, so you're hiring people like it. You, you probably run into people who cannot do their jobs unless somebody is standing there watching them work the entire time. You've got to be on them from the time they clock in until the time they clock out. Why is that? It's because they refuse to hold themselves accountable, not only for their actions, but for their decisions. And as a result, they spend their entire life kind of underachieving at everything. And often when they don't get the results, you know, as they get kind of bounced from job to job because of their inability to just work without anybody else watching them, they tend to blame other people. Not long ago, I heard somebody say, 
You know, I was in church every Sunday, but I never, ever learned how to be a disciple or a disciple maker because the church never taught me. Now, put yourself in my shoes for a moment. A member comes up to you and says, Pastor, you know, I'm in church like every Sunday, but nobody has ever, I've never learned to be a disciple or a disciple maker because nobody has ever taught me how. Y'all got a response to that one? You want to hear mine? You're going to hear it anyway. Now, first of all, I'm not going to let any church off the hook. Because there are a lot of churches and a lot of pastors who will tell you to do things, but never put you in a position or help you or encourage you or teach you or anything to help you do that. But there was something, a couple of things I made very clear. And it's, first of all, it's your job to study the Word. To get that? It's your job. It is your job to practice obedience. It is your job to surround yourself with nurturing biblical, godly people, it's your job to make sure that you grow in the Christian life. That's why Jude 20 says, but you, you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. We ultimately need to take responsibility. I mean, I've had people before say, how did you know that? Well, I learned it. I mean, somebody didn't just give it to me. You do that. Stephen Covey said, accountability breeds responsibility. When you decide that you will be accountable to you, you become responsible for you. In closing, I just want to review a few things. And that is, understand again, ultimately we are responsible to God. That's our primary responsibility. When you get up in the morning, like, Lord, you're in charge. I'm accountable to you. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That means that we are accountable to him, each and every one of us. It also means that we live out our accountability as leaders, as moms and dads or students or teachers or pastors and congregations or business owners or retirees or nurses or doctors or whatever you want to plug in there. We live out that accountability by submitting to the authority of the Word of God. In other words, we learn how to play by the rules. And then we learn to submit authority to the authority of other people. We allow spiritual, biblical people to speak direction and correction into our lives. And we also submit ourselves to our own authority, which means that we will take responsibility for ourselves. That we will work at building ourselves up in our most holy faith and that we will hold ourselves to a higher standard than everyone else. That's a great challenge. Never-ending challenge. I told the Bible class this morning, I had an email from a, a friend who we've taken to prison with us a couple of times who's now taking classes to become a chaplain. And she sent a picture of a pile of books that she has to read for her seminary education. And underneath was the question, does it ever end? 
Do you know what the answer to that is? No. It never ends. Accountability to God, accountability to others through godly biblical friends, and accountability to yourself. You know what happens when Christ followers follow that pattern? That day when you're going to have that one-on-one conversation with God, you know what you're going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of your Father. What a great day that will be. Let's pray.